You're listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. Well, this Lent, we've been journeying through a series called Through the Cracks. We believe that in the cracks of our lives, that's how the light gets in. And last week, Dan, uh, our new missions pastor, gave a great message on the challenge of discipleship, what it means to take up our cross and follow Christ. And this is what it means to let the light of God's love shine through the cracks of our lives. Remember, there is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. And today we're going to look at a passage that not many preachers preach on usually, and I found out the hard way why that is this week as I was reflecting on John 2, verses 13 through 22. So let us open our hearts and minds to what God might want to speak to us today. Listen for the word of the Lord. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, what sign can you show us for doing this? And Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, this temple has been under construction for 46 years and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we do ask that in the next few moments you might be our teacher, that you might speak a word only you can speak, that you by your spirit might speak to our hearts. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. OMG, I think we found the Goonies treasure. That's the line that opened a fascinating NPR news article that I recently read. A man named David Wilcomb recently, or Whitcomb recently purchased what looked like an abandoned building in upstate New York. Whitcomb had bought the building to expand his expanding law practice. So he invited a friend to come over and and tour the new office space. While they were there on the third floor, they began looking up at the ceiling. They stood there talking and They noticed in the drop ceiling there, it was falling apart, and they noticed a crack. They pulled away the plaster, and they discovered a hidden attic. Its entrance had been plastered over and lost to time. David, nor the two previous owners, knew that there was an attic. They just thought there was a roof up there. And when they went into the attic, they discovered a a hidden portrait studio with backdrops, Glass negatives, prints, and numerous photographs. The crown jewel of the find was a famous picture by the suffragist Susan B. Anthony. It was taken a year before she died. 
this hidden attic was full of priceless treasures. It was an art studio from years ago that no one knew about. When they looked through the cracks, they saw what no one else could see. They found a gold mine. David Whitcomb said this, We were just blown away by the volume of stuff. The amount of material up in that attic was insane. It was like going on an Easter egg hunt and opening every Easter egg, and as you go, you find gold. How many people had been in that building over the years? How many people had looked up at that ceiling and didn't notice the cracks? And because they didn't notice the cracks, they couldn't look through them. And because they couldn't look through them, they didn't know the treasure that was right above their heads. Friends, how many of us are so busy running errands, paying bills, watching television, surfing the internet, that we miss the treasure that is right above our heads? How many of us miss seeing the cracks where the light is trying to shine through? If we could just recognize it, if we could just see it, our lives would change. If we could see the cracks, we might notice the prison we are in, and we might notice the light, and we might find freedom. We're not alone. In our passage today, they don't notice who's among them either. The buyers and sellers are in the temple too busy trying to make a buck. The temple leaders are too busy trying to consolidate power. The disciples are too busy trying to think of where they're going to end up in the kingdom when they come to power. And for these folks, Jesus has come to create a few cracks. Cracks in their busyness. Cracks in their aspirations. Cracks in their captivity. Jesus comes to make cracks because through the cracks, that's how the light gets in. Let me set the scene for you. Verse 13, the Passover of the Jews was near and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now Passover is a religious holy season in the Jewish year, yes, but it's also a huge party in Jerusalem. Think like Bonnaroo or Coachella or Burning Man. Everybody comes to Jerusalem to see friends they haven't seen in a while, to meet new folks to party, to come together. And that's why all these people gather in Jerusalem to celebrate. And so then Jesus goes into the temple, verse 14. In the temple, he found people selling cattle and sheep and doves and the money changers seated at their tables. Jesus goes to the heart of the party. The temple in Jerusalem would have been where, where all the Israelites would, would gather to congregate, to see old friends, meet new people. Now to understand why this was such a party and why this was such a, a hubbub going on. You have to understand the, the practical implications to traveling to a town like this at a time like this to Jerusalem. Now, have you ever visited a foreign country, walked off the plane, and you walk into the airport and you see the sign, currency exchange? This is who the money changers are. People would come from all over the Roman Empire and they would gather in the temple but you couldn't use your Roman coinage to buy anything. Why? Because it was sacred. It was a sacred place, and Roman coins had an image of the Caesar on them. And so you had to exchange them to get a Tyrian coin. 
that had no markings on its face, and then you could buy and you could sell. And there were sellers there. There were cattle and and sheep sellers and dove sellers. Have you ever been packing on a trip? And you say, ah, my deodorant is so heavy. Guess what? I'm just going to buy it when I get there. That's the same thing these these pilgrims would do when they traveled to Jerusalem. It's a, a long way to take a dove. They're always trying to fly away. Cattle, they're mooing so much, you get really annoyed on the the trip to Jerusalem. Sheep are always wandering off. So you just wait. And once you get to the temple, you buy them there. And that's what these pilgrims are doing. That's what these money changers and buyers and sellers are there doing. They're there. It all seems quite religiously reasonable, doesn't it? But the text reads, Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. <laughs> I love John. He doesn't want us to think they were, Jesus was playing favorites. <laughs> both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. The picture we get here is not of gentle Jesus. <laughs> this is not the Christ we're sometimes accustomed to, sitting on one knee, you know, with a pink halo around him with children gathering at his feet. No, this is not gentle Jesus. This is not the Christ who's afraid of offending or challenging us. Jesus offers us a love, but it's a tough love. Jesus loves us too much to let us stay the way we are. The Swiss theologian Karl Barth Whenever referring to God's anger or God's wrath, he used to call, he said, we should understand it as the burning fire of God's love. God will break us in order to heal us. God will judge our sin in order to forgive us. God will make a few cracks so that the light can get in. God's judgment is always in service to God's greater love. But make no mistake, As Jesus enters the temple here, he takes on the vocation of an Old Testament prophet. He's here to crack things up a little bit. (laughs) See, Jesus brings a two-sided critique to the temple establishment. This story is only one of a few stories that occur in all four of our Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it appears quite late. It's actually on the verge of Jesus' arrest, crucifixion, death. But in John, you'll notice, John puts it in chapter 2. He moves it at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. It's, It's in a way John is signaling to us that Jesus is in the tradition of an Old Testament prophet. He's bringing a critique against the temple establishment. First, And the differences between the Synoptic Gospels version of this story and John's version, if we compare them, we can see an interesting difference and we can see what the critique of the temple establishment is. First, John's version begins with Jesus' critique of temple commerce. Temple commerce. Pay attention here. Listen to this. Verse 16. He told those who were selling the doves, take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. A marketplace. Now, some historical context. The temple, the Jewish temple in the first century, could also be known as the first, first national bank of Judaism. 
The high priest Caiaphas was like the, not just a religious leader, but also like the CEO of this whole temple uh, company where money was being exchanged and buying and selling was happening. And Caiaphas, the high priest that year, permitted the money changers and the sellers to come in to the outer ring of the temple. You see, the temple was kind of organized with concentric circles. And as you got closer to the center, it was more sacred. At the center was the Holy of Holies. Where Jesus enters is called um, the, the, the gate of the Gentiles. It's the only place Gentiles could go. It is as far as they could make it in. And you see Caiaphas's political rival in Jerusalem at the time was aligned with the temple or the uh, sellers, the buyers and sellers at the Mount of Olives. And Caiaphas, being a shrewd businessman, moves the, the sellers into the temple so he could put the Mount of Olives sellers out of business. Said, so now you don't have to bring your cattle or your sheep or your doves from the Mount of Olives to the temple. You can just get them when you're there. And Caiaphas does this to put them out of business. And Jesus comes in here. He says, what are you doing in here? You've taken this sacred space and you've turned it into the local mall. The commerce here, the buying and selling has turned something sacred into something desecrated. That's John's version of Jesus' critique of the temple establishment. Some of us forget Jesus does get crucified for a reason. Because he challenges the establishment in Jerusalem. Let's look at the second critique. The Synoptic Gospels version uh, shows and critiques, shows Jesus critiquing the temple corruption. In their versions, listen to this. Jesus says, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers or den of thieves. What is a den of robbers? Well, if you know your Old Testament prophets, you'd recognize that Jesus is kind of mashing up two different prophets, Jeremiah and Isaiah. My house shall be called a house of prayer is a quote directly from Isaiah 56. And when you read Isaiah 56, you see Isaiah has this great vision for what the temple can be for the people of Israel. It's a house of prayer. Listen to this. He says, in Isaiah 56, it reads, These I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples, for everybody, even Gentiles. And note that Jesus goes into the ring where only Gentiles are welcome. And now it's overcome with buying and selling and corruption. And Isaiah had this great vision for what the temple could be for all peoples. And now look what's happened to it. It's become a mall. But it's become a mall that's also exploiting people. Jesus says, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. A den of robbers or den of thieves is originally used in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah, this great prophet, See, the, the temple was known at the time as kind of a, a guarantor of divine protection. So oftentimes, robbers or thieves would go commit their crimes and then would come into the, the temple and look for protection. They'd say, you can't arrest me because I'm in the temple now. 
And it became a den or a house of robbers or thieves. Listen to Jeremiah 7. This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. Behold, you trust in deceptive words to no avail. Will you, listen here, will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense to Baal, go after other gods that you have not known, and then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, we are delivered, only to go on doing all these abominations. Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes? And Jesus draws on this great prophetic tradition to try to wake the people up. Look what this temple establishment has begun corrupting this sacred place, using it for commerce and to exploit people. And so Jesus puts a whip together and begins to crack some things up because that's how the light gets in. So what does this mean for us? I think it's very easy for us to become like those money changers, working hard, doing our jobs, going through the motions, and forget what is above our heads. We go get so busy with our lives, sometimes we need God to, to put a few cracks in it, and we have to notice it so that the light can shine in. We get imprisoned and held captive spiritually, and God wants to, to make a few cracks to give us freedom. That's how the light gets in. Probably one of the biggest moments this happened in my life was my junior year of college. And I was very hyperactive. I was a very hyperactive college student, often not in class. <laughs> I was working, you know, a couple full-time jobs trying to put my, pay my way through school. And I was busy, fraternity, working, barely slept at all. It was not a healthy or a long-term way to live. And one of my best friends named Greg noticed this in my life. And he loved me too much to let me keep on going that direction. Well, I had all these self-justifying reasons that I was working all the time to, to pay my bills and pay for school. And one time Greg calls me up and invites me over to his house came from a well-to-do family. And he knew how to use his resources to bless others, and he invited me into his room. He didn't want to make a big show of this. He says, I know you're strapped financially, and I know you would never ask for help, but I want to give you something to help you out so you can chill out a little bit. You're, find your equilibrium. Spend time with your friends. Take care of your spiritual life. You're going too fast. And then he handed me an envelope. And I opened it up, and I hope you guys have friends like this. And I opened it up, and there were 10 crisp $100 bills in there. I said, for me? He said, yeah. He said, I want you to slow down, stop paying so much attention. And he didn't just say it, he gave me something to wake me up from my busyness, from my hecticness, from my spiritual captivity to make a crack, a dent in it, so that the light could shine in. And see, I think sometimes God wants to come and wake us up to our lives. Sometimes to, 
to fashion a whip, to critique our commerce and our busyness and our corruption, to make a few cracks in our lives, not to destroy our lives, but to let the light shine in. And the question is, will we pay attention? Will we have the courage to look above our heads and see what is right above them? There's a crack in everything. It's how the light gets in. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you that you love us so much, so much so that not to leave us the way we are. And so, Lord, we thank you for your tough love. We pray that we might have the courage to see the cracks that you may create in our lives so that we can see the light of your love shining. In your name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.